Detroit is Different is where you get information, artistry, history, music, and even comedy. Detroit is Different, a home for the culture of Detroit. Visit online at DetroitIsDifferent.com today. All right. Thank you for joining us, Miss Colleen Jones. She is our guest today on Detroit is Different. And I met this young lady, what, three years ago? Three years, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. Um, through the Juneteenth Jubilee Detroit Committee. And when I tell you guys, like, like I said, I'm really big on highlighting women who are just doing their thing. Like, I cannot stress enough how important it is for us to lift each other up. And when... I, I really didn't even know what to expect to get on the committee. But when I met Colleen, just always cool, always personable. And she was just like, yeah, so I'm going to do this for Juneteenth. And I got the kids section and arts. And, yeah, I got it. And yeah. I was like, okay, well, do you need anything else? What do we need to do to support you? She's like, um, I'm good. Like, yeah, I, I got <laughs> this. I'll, I'll do that, blah, blah, blah. And then I'll <laughs> add that. Just always cool. But the thing that was just so beautiful about it, like she's the the art director for our committee, but also like mm-hmm. she did an amazing program within the overall spectrum of Juneteenth. And just last year, she, I, and maybe three other committee members were able to do something in two yeah. weeks for Juneteenth. Okay. Cause remember <laughs> that? Like, the, yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> it was because they, you know, with COVID and everything, they're like, yeah, nobody's going out. And then she finally okay. opened up the state. And thankfully, Colleen came through like a superhero. So, anywho, like I said, (laughs) I know you from the realm of Juneteenth, but let's start with your Detroit story. Where are your parents from? Are you a Detroiter? Give me your background. So, I'm from Romulus. From Uh Romulus, we moved to Livonia. I Mm -hmm. moved to Detroit after I graduated. I went to Wayne State University. Nice. So, that started my whole a Detroit journey for real. My family, my mom is from Romulus. Okay. <laughs> Her people are from <laughs> Alabama. Uh, my daddy is from, well, first Missouri, then mm-hmm. moved on over to Toledo. So he's, we're all pretty much new, newer Detroiters, you okay. know? So yeah. <laughs> That's what's up. Yeah. So Wayne State, huh? Yeah. What did you major in at Wayne State? Uh, business management. Okay. It was like the first thing. That I could think of. I didn't want to go to college for real. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to go to college. So what's going to be easy? I was wrong. It wasn't easy, but mm-hmm. it was business. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was going to be easy. <laughs> hey, that is so real. I understand because uh, I went to Bowling Green and signed up for business okay. too. And while there, when I saw the math classes, I said, I'm sorry. Why do I need pre-calculus for business? Yes. Like <laughs> three statistics. Like for what? Why for what? Like <laughs> who, who made this curriculum? Okay. And why? Like I just need to know how to crunch numbers and and that's you know, it. Uh, that's it. Like <laughs> percentages. Like the basics. I don't understand. Right. <laughs> so, but yeah, that's what's up. Um, so Wayne State. So tell me a little bit more about your experiences there because mm. I always wonder about that with like. Because, you know, I, I went to school in Bowling Green and then Michigan State. Mm. So being in the area, like, what was that like at Wayne State? Um, So I did stay on campus for one year. I stayed mm-hmm. on, well, no, two years. I stayed at Atchison and I stayed at the Union. That was like a, um apartment off campus, but it was on campus, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, But I think going to Wayne State, I was shocked <laughs> by <laughs> the amount of... um 
non-black people that was there. Mm. And yeah, and I was surprised at, I was also surprised at how low the graduation rate was for black people. And it was discouraging. I almost left Wayne State. I almost mm. left college, period, because I was like, okay, this is my fourth year. And they was right. I still got one more year to go. And I was so disheartened. Mm. But um, it was it, that happened to be a story for a lot of my um, my my friends who also went to Wayne State. Mm. No one really graduated in four years. Wow. Um, it was hard because it wasn't even like the curriculum was hard. It was almost like we were getting toyed with by counselors. So it was like, mm-hmm. what is that? Because we we all pass and none of us are bad students, but none of us are graduating on time. Like, what is this? Yeah. So. Um, yeah, five years I got out. Mm-hmm. Wayne State was, I joined BSU. Um, okay. That was a great experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. for people who don't know what BSU oh. is, tell me <laughs> what BSU is. Yeah, so it's the uh, Black Student Union. So I, I joined that. I, did, and I was involved in a lot of uh, group discussions mm-hmm. and everything with them. Um, I think I kind of teetered off when I left campus. So if okay. I would have stayed on campus, anybody who's on campus, stay on campus, join BSU, mm-hmm. um, and just be really, really involved. Mm. And that was like my saving grace there. Cause honestly, I was like, there's not enough black people here for me. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and I, I don't like it. You know, I went to school in Livonia. So I was always surrounded by, around a, a, a lot of white people. So mm. I was like, Ooh, I want to go to, uh, Wayne State. It's in Detroit. Of course, right. it's going to be all of us there. It wasn't, but <laughs> but I found my tribe. <laughs> right. Yes. Right. No, and that, and that's real because like you you know we have safe spaces for a lot of different ethnic and cultural groups, and mm-hmm. it's just so important because even for me, like I know I was part of Black Graduate Student Association at Michigan State, and then I was a part of BAM at Bowling Green because yeah. it's, it's important to have a safe space when you are at a predominantly white institution. Yeah, for and sure. That is funny because you're right. I would have never thought that Wayne State would not have had. <laughs> no, it's not, a lot of, of, it's not that many of us. Right, like, <laughs> so wow. Right, exactly, in the heart of the city. So yeah. that that's interesting. Uh, yeah. So at Wayne, what would you say was like one of your, your more challenging classes? Oh, my most, oh, it would be. Statistics. <laughs> Statistics. But I had this, I had an amazing professor. I can't remember his name, but he mm-hmm. would let us, he knew the class was ridiculous, right? So he would let us like take a huge piece of paper mm-hmm. and we could write on both sides. So I would take little tiny notes. <laughs> the only problem I had was making sure I could take the test in under an hour and a half. Because okay. <laughs> okay. I had so many notes, I couldn't even, I didn't even know where to reference. <laughs> but I did well. I got an A, so it's all that's good. Okay. So, yeah. and that's what I find funny in regards to you and and knowing you because it's like she's one of the few people I know who has like mathematical and business sense but also is very artsy so tell me a little bit about your art background and experiences like what all do you do on the art level yeah so I grew up with a very artistic family uh Mm -hmm. Yeah, very artistic. My daddy played. My mama was the choir director. Mm-hmm. My uncle, you know, he um, is the owner of Plowshares. Like, it's just very artsy-fartsy. So the artist mm-hmm. thing, it wasn't like a weird thing that we kind of hopped into. Mm-hmm. But my family has managed to be functional, a functional artist. Okay. So I think I grapple. I, like, I have, I have to... I have to work on that functional artist thing. Mm-hmm. Juneteenth has actually helped me <laughs> immensely be a functional artist because I'm like, okay, deadlines. All right, you can't write when you feel like it. You can't right. reach out to people when you feel like it. So, um, yeah, I'm a poet. Um, I'm getting back into 
singing and okay. all of that good stuff. Yeah. Um, working with Melodic. Yes. Um, he's a producer here. He's great okay. all over the open mic scene. Um, I do a lot of open mic stuff. Not mm-hmm. so much anymore since after quarantine, but now that the world is opening, yeah. um, I'm excited to hop back into more open mics. Um, I curate different events, help mm-hmm. curate different events. Uh, Juneteenth, of course, is mm-hmm. one. There's Swoon for the Moon. I worked with uh, Energetic Investments. Mm-hmm. Well, I founded it, and then, you know, now we do collaborative stuff. Nice. Um, Lifted Literacy and Arts was like a baby that was mm-hmm. birthed out of Juneteenth also. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, just pretty much everything in the artist community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's what's up. Okay, yeah. do you draw also, or...? You know, I do, but I don't like to, so I just don't. <laughs> it is not anything I like doing. But if I have to, I'm like, okay, I got to make this flyer. I got to make this mm-hmm. artwork. Like, let me get this done. But I'd rather not. Okay. That's, <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. So you said poetry, singing, like, yeah. and just you, you mentioned a, a few of the businesses that have come out of um, you being a functional artist, as you say. Yes. <laughs> learning. <laughs> Girl, by not learning, you definitely are. Yeah. Right? <laughs> definitely. So you always have stuff in order, like, yeah, this, this, this. Uh, like, I never have to worry um, with working with you. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about uh, Lifted Literacy and Arts. So Lifted Literacy and Arts, um, it came from, so... It kind of came from a program I read that I was doing with um, Miss Valentine, Lucia Valentine, that's mm-hmm. Urban Link Village. And we would just read with the kids at Renaissance Village on Seven Mile and Evergreen. And we would read with them mm-hmm. Tuesdays and Thursdays. We would read with them. And then I was like, oh, I like this, you know, mm-hmm. uh, literacy aspect and all of that. So mm-hmm. then I decided I wanted to work with children and youth and mm-hmm. even you know some adults here and there but i really focus on children and youth mm-hmm. um just get more acclimated and mm-hmm. learn to read because a lot of our kids really don't know how to read i had my son that sparked the flame my son was like one years old mm-hmm. uh reading and i was like "Ooh, he's reading and he's one <laughs> i'm like these kids what? can do it yeah these kids can do it and i and to be honest i really didn't do nothing but just make sure he didn't listen to nothing but the ABCs. Really? <laughs> yeah. I tortured myself, I felt like, a little bit. I was like, ooh, I can't listen to none of my side of baby and all that good stuff. <laughs> I was like, I got to listen to these ABCs. I taught him Swahili first because it's okay. phonetic. Uh-huh. And so I was like, okay, he's going to learn how to read phonetic things. English mm. is weird, so everything's not phonetic. You can't, yeah, you yeah. Right. But Swahili, everything's pretty phonetic. So I had him. I saw the post on uh, June for Juneteenth Jubilee. And I was like, boom, okay. Uh, I am Juneteenth. I think mm-hmm. that's a great program. We're gonna. I had a couple of poems like already wrote for nice. Juneteenth, just because I wanted to write them. I was inspired mm-hmm. to write them. But then I saw the post on Facebook. I don't really remember how I found the post. I don't oh, know. I have no idea. <laughs> right? I'm so glad you yeah, did. I was I just like, threw I'm about to go. There, like. Right. I was like, I'm about to go. I see this post. It says Charles H. Wright. I'm going. Yeah. So I went and um, yeah. I was like, this is a good opportunity for. Uh, Lifted Literacy and Arts to have like their first mm-hmm. big program and it just ended up being a Charles H. Wright. So, nice. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So Swahili, huh? Yeah, Swahili. Give me an example of like the phonetics in Swahili versus like English. So, okay. So Swahili, every letter actually sounds like what it's supposed to. If you, if you have a word, mm-hmm. you can just read the word as long as you know the alphabet. Okay. Right. So, um, their their alphabet's pretty similar, mm-hmm. but like I think G is like G. To mm-hmm. be honest, my son knows all these different languages. Me, mm. 
I know English. I know a little bit of French. <laughs> and I can. And when I read Swahili, I can read it. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. But I'm like, my son, because I taught him that language first, my son now, he's like doing mm. Greek, mm. Yoruba. Mm-hmm. He wants to learn Coptic, which is like an older Arabic language, I think. Okay. Russian. Just random languages. He's obsessed with language now. That's good. But yeah, he's real. Like, that Swahili thing, he's real good. Me, I was just watching it with him. It was Akili and Me on YouTube. Anybody oh, with toddlers? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anybody with toddlers and babies, have them watch Akili and Me on YouTube. Put your headphones in if you got to because it's that <laughs> repetitive thing. But when he was younger, I was learning it too. Yeah. Now he done took off with it and I'm like, I don't know any of it. <laughs> <laughs> right. He be looking at me saying stuff. I don't know what he's saying. <laughs> I love that. Just because it's like I wasn't really privy to like language or even it being like a discriminatory thing until like I got older. So yeah. I had gone to a professional development, and there was a lady who was an ethno-linguist there, right? Okay. And her name was Noma Leon or Noma something. I don't remember the last name, but she was talking about how, like, in a lot of different um, languages uh, from the continent, it's a, like, consonant-vowel, consonant-vowel type of pattern. Yes. So when... Our people were basically um, enslaved and brought over here trying to learn English. It was difficult. But the problem was that since nobody, of course, well, I say this, people did progressively. But initially, nobody was interested in educating African-Americans, you know. And unfortunately, um, trying to pick up on the language and things of that nature, it just as she was saying, naturally did not make sense for our people. But yeah. once enslavement was over, technically, like, we were just pushed out there, like, figure it out, you know? And so our kids wound up going to school and being pathologized. Right. Whereas, like, other immigrants come to America and then they get help through services, through the government with ESL and all of that. Right. <laughs> and so, like, when she brought that to my attention from that PD, I was like, oh, my God. Isn't like, it crazy? It is because it's so many things in English when you really think about it just, like, don't make sense. It don't like, make any sense. Yeah. Like, Not at all. <laughs> laughter and daughter, for instance. Like, it's really... It's an L and a D, but the rest of it is the same. Right. It's pronounced and mean totally Completely different. different. I, right. And that's why, I, that's why I'm so big on embracing AAVE, which okay. is African-American vernacular. My son, as smart as he is, he mm-hmm. can read. I'm telling you, he can read so well. And he's, <laughs> he is so smart. But my son would look at me and be like... Um, something about I was gonna da 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 uh-huh. and someone would say okay you should correct him I was going to but I don't correct my son my son right. is smart I don't have to correct him he right. say he say though instead of though he say business instead of business yeah I'm not about to correct him I embrace in my writing I embrace AAVE so I don't really I say I be a lot in my writing just mm-hmm. because that's what flows out it don't yeah. necessarily flow out oh I am or right. and then I was taught also um I can't think of her name. I cannot think of her name, but it was an older lady who was at my dad's house. Mm-hmm. And I kept correcting myself with like, I am, I am, mm-hmm. I am. And instead of I be, but she kept, she could hear me like trying to correct myself. <laughs> and she was like, 
I am is your God body. Mm-hmm. You don't have to say I am. We, you know, slaves didn't say I be because they was ignorant. They said they said I be because they refused to say I am because I am is their God is their God body. Right. So you would say instead of saying I am tired, like oh no, my God body's not tired, mm-hmm. but I be tired in this moment. I be tired. <laughs> <laughs> so I was Bring like, okay, down. embrace it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Tell me a little bit more about Period. this God body. Like I'm feeling all. <laughs> I'm feeling all godly this now. (laughs) Okay. I think for me, it's more, I think for, I think it's different for everybody. For me, it's like when I'm hop, when I'm operating at my highest self. Right. Okay. So like, um, I really am real serious about that. I am like, you will never hear me be like, I am sorry. Cause I'm mm-hmm. not ever mm-hmm. sorry, <laughs> you know, but I apologize, but I'm never sorry, okay. you know? So that like goes, that speaks to my God body. So I feel like it's kind of like, everything that you aspire to be what you are right because everything that you aspire to be is obviously mm-hmm. who you are because it's in you that's why you aspire to be it right but um it is just operating in your highest your absolute highest self mm. so there's times where mm-hmm. i'm not operating in my highest self and i have to tap into who are you right. colleen ivana jones <laughs> are you are you mean no you're not mean and you right. can in your your higher self would talk nicer you know what i'm right. saying your higher self would be kinder so right. um yeah, it's just a reminder to operate in higher self. So, like, when I do my affirmations, nice. that's, like, me speaking to my God body, me speaking to my higher my higher self. Okay. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, before we get into these affirmations, yes. because I'm really loving, matter of fact, we're just going to go go into <laughs> these, though. Because I think that's such a pivotal thing that we just don't do. Like, we know it's power in words. And you even talking about how you educate your son and and the importance of education i just think it's so like interesting that you say affirmation so what what got you into that like where did you first learn about the whole concept of affirming oneself and how do you go about developing these affirmations uh, my daddy, I would have to be honest, my daddy, he was he mm-hmm. was big on speaking to our higher selves. He was big on us saying he was big on words. Okay. So me and my sisters, we we play with each other a lot. We say we say like little sister snide comments yeah. or whatever. We'd be like, Are you stupid? And my daddy, you know, my daddy would be kinda in the background like, Don't call each other stupid and mm-hmm. I never understood it when I was a kid because I'm like, We just playing, daddy. It's right. not you know, but he was so serious about being so intentional with your words mm-hmm. and meaning what you say. So you say I love you because you love that person. Even right. if you're mad at them, you say I love you or you're just really just making sure you don't say anything that you really can't come back from type mm-hmm. thing. Um mm-hmm. he was real big on that. So words have always been, but my dad's a writer too, so mm-hmm. <laughs> words have always been an a important thing for our family, like just minding your words right. um, and just not saying anything that's going to break you down. So if I say, oh, I can't do it or I give up, mm-hmm. like I was never really allowed to say stuff like that, like I can't do it or um, everything was possible, I feel like, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So when I when I heard of affirmations, it was like I had already been doing it. Okay. Yeah, okay. I had already been doing it, but subconsciously. Now it's like, okay, when I got into college, mm-hmm. there was a class. I forgot, Lisa Nichols. Okay. I went, yes. <laughs> she had like a seminar, but it was online, and she was talking about affirming yourself and mm-hmm. speaking to yourself in the mirror and doing these affirmations. And so I started it when I was in college, and I would just speak to myself. But at that time, it was like, I am good. I am kind. <laughs> I am, you know, but now I can be more intentional with it. 
And like one of my favorite affirmations I say is like, I'm gifted with divine discernment and forgiveness because I know those are two things I struggle with, right? Mm -hmm. Like discernment because I want to think that everybody's nice. Mm -hmm. So sometimes my discernment be uh, a little, you know, and then forgiveness because I'd be thinking I'm forgiven, but I ain't that forgiven. So (laughs) (laughs) so I just affirm myself every day because it's like a reminder. Work on it, Vani. Like you have divine discernment. Mm -hmm. You have... um, the forgiveness in your heart so operate like that as you move through the day okay so, yeah i like that <laughs> yeah. i like that so do you do you speak over your your son as well yes we do we definitely do me and my son we say a prayer at night okay <laughs> so and he i mean he he right he's like right now he is like god jesus god jesus i don't know <laughs> i think it was like his grandma's really instilled god jesus and uh-huh. that whole thing so <laughs> he um he prays we pray we pray a lot That's and he good. enjoys praying mm-hmm. and then after the prayer we're like i am good i am brave because my son the big one is i'm brave because my son he he like my little mini chucky from rugrats <laughs> i love him so much <laughs> he just like <laughs> he wants it's like he like wants to be scared of everything so uh-huh. he has has that triumphant moment right. so everything is like oh i'm scared because only because he wants to achieve it right. so right now we're like i am brave i am brave mm-hmm. i'm brave consistently i'm good because he's a toddler you know right. how toddlers be we have to enforce that he's he is <laughs> that good, he is good. Right. like exactly. <laughs> right especially you had a bad day all day you get in trouble <laughs> all day he probably like oh my gosh i can't do anything right so at the end of the day i'm always like you know you are so good you know right. so i'm a king he loves yeah. that one so yeah he that's loves affirmations. Good. That's good. <laughs> yeah. I really, I love to hear it. So. Yeah. But yeah, I think that, I think that's really great. Like, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm just glad to hear that because the, um, you know, just speaking to parents and, and just, I think it's a really big thing to even have the task to raise a child, you know, yeah. and let alone you have a black son, yeah. you know, so raising him to have a sense of, of self-worth but also sure. like you got a lot because now you're also as he gets older going to have the burden to teach him about society versus oh, who yeah. he is in regards to himself so oh, I, for sure. I commend you for that <laughs> you know and starting them early because yeah. that's so important yeah that was really important to me I think before mm-hmm. my relationship with black men was very questionable before I had a son <laughs> <laughs> okay it was very questionable but when I found I was gonna have a son I was like oh shoot uh-huh. I'm gonna have a son so you gotta fix whatever <laughs> this is <laughs> in you that you have <laughs> you know maybe ag- against black men you know uh-huh. what I'm saying there was like a little bitter seed that was planted but then I just had mm-hmm. to uproot it you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying mm-hmm. uh, and it helped when I have when I had a son mm-hmm. and then also it was it's crazy because you talk about preparing him for society I had exposed my son to mm-hmm. to slavery right mm-hmm. <laughs> and he didn't it was like he was watching it but he wasn't really watching it right. and at the end of the movie he said to me mama I want one of them Africans <laughs> I was like no what did you watch <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what did you watch? <laughs> so then I really had to break it down. And it was so funny. I had to break it down. And I just kept hearing my daddy. My daddy, when I was younger, <laughs> my daddy, when I was younger, he showed, he made us watch this movie, um, this Emma Till movie. Uh-huh. And I remember I was like, daddy, I don't want to look at that. And he was like, you're not getting up from this table. So you look at uh, yeah. Emma Till in the casket. And I was so, I think, how old was I? Maybe seven, eight. And I was like. Why is he making me look at this casket? I didn't understand it till that moment mm-hmm. <laughs> when I tried to sugarcoat slavery for my baby <laughs> and he decided that he wanted one of them Africans. <laughs> 
I was like, this is why my daddy didn't sugarcoat it. Here we go. So me and my son, we've been we've been on it with that, like uh-huh. this whole societal aspect of it. Even yeah. as four years old, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Start them young. Yeah. <laughs> you do, because you're absolutely right. I mean, and, and even though it may sound weird to our listeners when they hear this, but it, it makes a world of difference because even going back to your affirmations with saying like, I am good, you mm-hmm. know, because you're right. People automatically think like, oh, they toddlers, they young, they're going to be bad or they running the muck. And it does start yeah. in, in school and it, and it can start early. Cause even for myself, like, you know, I thank my mother for empowering me, but like I wasn't conventional, conventionally bad, I'll say, but right. you know, I've always been like, like whatever I just wasn't on, I just wasn't on it. You right. Know? But, <laughs> and, but that's, you know, a form of empowerment when you think about it, For like sure. to stand by what you what you decide you don't want to do. Period. But again, I remember being in kindergarten and not having multiple recesses. Like I was always on lockdown. And, like, right. You know right. what I mean? <laughs> Just because you was your own person. Just I was that was my person. biggest thing with my son is I was like, OK, now he's going to school. I was like, I'm not I. I wasn't going to send him to DPS because I was like, mm-hmm. I don't even know where mm-hmm. to send him, right? Mm-hmm. Now I'm banging on DPS door trying to get my son in. <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, yeah, I wasn't going to send him at first. And I was like, okay, so I was exploring other options. And mm-hmm. I was like, none of this is going to work for me because my baby, first of all, he's a little black boy. Yeah. He's smart as I don't know what, but he yeah. is... He is, he when he gets bored, mm-hmm. it's almost like it, nothing matters anymore. No <laughs> rules exist. <laughs> His mind is no longer occupied. So I'm like, I got to send him to a school that not only uh, challenges him, right. but also with some black teachers who will mm-hmm. understand this little black boy ain't doing nothing wrong. You know right. what I'm saying? He just, you just got to tell him to sit down and give him something to do. Like, exactly. that's it. Instead of him getting in trouble, I see so many children getting in trouble mm-hmm. for being bored. My mama was one of them. She got in trouble for being bored. I got in trouble for being bored. Yeah. It's just not challenging, you know what I'm saying? But then we was little black kids, so right. it's like, and then we were in Livonia at that, mm-hmm. getting in trouble, but we just bored. We don't have nothing to do. We're bored. We done read the whole book. Right. This <laughs> just doesn't interest me. Not like, at all. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. exactly. Like, because I can recall specifically a time where I got in trouble because I didn't want to find the gingerbread man. Okay. Like, I read the story. Nonsensical. Why am I looking for the gingerbread man? I'm not about to eat that dusty <laughs> mug anyways. You right. know what I'm saying? Like. I'm not you in trouble for it. Right. What? And she like like literally got a call to my mama. And my mom was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Like, did she read the story? She was like, Yeah. Is she disrupting anybody else? She was like, No. She was like, So this is just this is not this is not nonsensical, right? Yeah. Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it doesn't. But the whole thing is just a matter of like you said, with with sharing your experiences and your mother as well as raising your child. Mm. If you start to hear that narrative of what your personality is, is wrong or is bad, then that's what you will start to become. Absolutely. I see so much of me and my child. I thought that Mm -hmm. when I had a little boy, I was going to get away with like (laughs) having a little me. But (laughs) he is like me plus testosterone. So it's like, (laughs) but (laughs) I see so much of him in me. Uh But I think that when I was younger, it was more of a like, you need to not be too loud you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. don't be too opinionated Mm -hmm. don't be it was okay to have an opinion but it was like politeness over having an opinion almost you know what i'm saying so my son when he when he started being able to be like no i don't want to hug yes i do want to hug and he was able to voice it the first time he ever said mommy i don't want to hug i was like 
I'm gonna give him a hug anyways. But then I didn't do it because my body wouldn't let me do it because I said he really don't want to hug. And if I teach him at the age of three, right. you know what I'm saying? That when he says he doesn't want to be touched or when he says he doesn't want to engage mm-hmm. that and people and you force it on him and it's okay for people to force it on him, mm-hmm. he's going to be like that when he gets older. And I'm like, I'm mm-hmm. not raising no pushover. I don't want him to have to, right. I don't want this to have to be something he struggles with because for me it was that. And that's why I have to say to myself all the time that mm-hmm. I have divine discernment because mm-hmm. when I was younger, I had the discernment, mm-hmm. but it was like, no, you need to be polite. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? We were so, everybody was so bent on us being polite. But me and my sisters, we really not like super, we polite, but you know what I'm saying? We, yeah. We're not the most agreeable women. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, and why should okay. you be? Like, <laughs> I had to learn it was okay. I had to get older and be like, oh, it's okay not to be agreeable. Right. Better than that than a pushover, you yeah. know? Yeah, that's fair. And yeah. it's, it is a very real thing that we grapple with as women and especially black women, Mm -hmm. you know, because like I said, if it wasn't for Charlene telling me like, what you got to lose, all they could say is no, or all they could do is this. Like, like, even though she minimized other people's like influence, (laughs) it still just made me a little bit more. I mean, or should I say, was it more or less fearless? Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. More fearless. Yeah. 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 I think that's right. the word. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. We talking about words. Like, like, it's pure Right. right. Yeah. So, that makes sense. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. But that's what's up. So I just want to go back for a minute because, I mean, if you if you feel like expounding mm-hmm. upon it, yeah. um, you had mentioned like your relationship with black men. Yeah. And how you had to uh, do a little soul searching with I that. Did. So can you can you tell us a little bit more about that? Oh, I had I. For me, I could now that I'm at the place where I, this is how it goes back to that divine discernment and forgiveness mm-hmm. thing, right? Mm-hmm. I was forced to forgive a lot of black men mm-hmm. growing up, like mm-hmm. from birth. You know, what I mm-hmm. felt like I was like always put in a position where I'm like always having to forgive. Mm-hmm. So I became very. <laughs> unforgiving like as I got older right and Mm -hmm. and I realized that that unforgiveness was actually turning me like kind of mean I was like oh I'm a little mean I'm Mm -hmm. a little bitter and you know I'm almost like projecting onto every man who came around me I'm projecting Mm -hmm. that I'm gonna have to be put in a position to forgive them so I was like I ain't gonna get that close because I'm not about to keep being in the position where I gotta keep forgiving somebody Mm -hmm. you know so I went from one extreme Mm -hmm. to the next extreme Mm -hmm. you know um with my child's father, I had to, I really had to learn forgiveness mm-hmm. there, right? Mm-hmm. Because I was like, we birthed this child together, da 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 da, da. And I had to just, I, I realized that I didn't really see black men as human. Interesting. <laughs> I didn't really see black men as human for real. I saw them mm-hmm. as workers. You know, I had grandfathers who just worked with their hands. They didn't do, they didn't really do much talking, right? They worked mm-hmm. with their hands. They took mm-hmm. care of the family. That's the black man's role. Mm-hmm. I used to have a problem. This is like the craziest thing. I used to have a problem <laughs> with seeing men sleeping, uh-huh. like specifically black men, because I don't, I didn't really interact with white men like that. But right. I used to, if I was walking into a house and it was like, say it was six o'clock and mm-hmm. everybody was up and a black man was sleeping, um, um, he was sleeping. <laughs> I'm like, what is he sleeping for? He should be working. He should be doing this. It was like, I didn't see them as human. I saw them as like robots. I didn't yeah. give them space for emotions yeah yeah it was but at the same time I realized all of that came from me not being able to 
have a safe space in mm-hmm. men with mm-hmm. my emotions, right? Mm-hmm. I always felt like I had to toughen up and, and you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. be like a little trophy for yeah. them and do all that. And I resented that. So I was right. like, if I can't have feelings, you can't have feelings. When, <laughs> <laughs> when in all honesty, we just need to let each other have feelings, you know? Right. We just all need <laughs> yeah. to heal. I had to heal that. I was like, I got a little boy now. I'm like, yeah. I do not want him to have a, a, a wife or a mm-hmm. significant other or whether when he gets older who does not who's not a safe space. But I was like, I can't be a safe space for my son if I'm not a safe space for myself. And so that's how I really healed the relationship with black men is Mm -hmm. really working Mm -hmm. on being a safe space for self and my Mm -hmm. own emotions so that I can allow these men to have emotions too. (laughs) Yes, I love that. That's well said. Yeah, for sure. Speaking of emotions, you know, a lot of people express their emotions through art. Yeah. And um, I, I went to one of your, I guess it was an open mic slash birthday day. I don't know what it was. <laughs> but when I tell y'all, it was the walls were sweating I... that thing. Like, boy, you had it <laughs> packed because yes. we all know, like, with poetry and with music, um, it gives people a platform to express themselves emotionally in art. So, yeah. you know, like, I don't stop doing the open mics and and giving people these platforms to be because truly like from the turnout that I saw that you had with people there yes. people need a space and yeah, like for you sure. said a safe space for artists you know yeah. so yeah i definitely respect Thank that <laughs> um so just thinking of of some of the things that you are into with the open mics and and we talked a little bit about lit- lifted literacy and arts. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me about Luxana. What's that? What is that product oh. and, and brand about? Yes. Yeah. So there's Luxana by Vani Pill. There's Luxana Body, and then Luxana Locks. So um, I am a loctician, so I do locks and twists. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where Luxana Locks comes in. Um, you can follow that at Luxana by Vani Pill. Mm-hmm. Um, you can follow all Luxana stuff by Luxana by Vani Pill, and then um, Luxana Body is a skincare line. So right now we have an, a body oil out okay. almost like an after shower i use the after shower okay. um it's hair and body but it's jojoba oil and sweet mm-hmm. almond oil and then it comes like with peppermint and rosemary and that's nice. good for like relief i actually came up with the peppermint and rosemary one because mm-hmm. i got into a car accident and mm-hmm. i fractured my sternum and there's no cast for that <laughs> so <laughs> i was like i was just told okay you gotta breathe deep and i'm like okay i don't know what type of right. doctor instructions these are breathe. so i was just right so i'm like okay <laughs> let me just put something together that's gonna make me feel good so i started rubbing it all over my body and it mm-hmm. made my muscles kind of like relax and everything and i was like yes peppermint rosemary nice. it works so um i sell that one and then the unscented one and it's just for the ultimate glow and mm-hmm. yeah really i got tired of wearing makeup that's how all that came about because i was I'm, I'm such a makeup person. I am. Yeah, isn't that crazy? That is. Nobody would ever think. <laughs> Thank like. you. Nobody would ever think, but I wore makeup my whole life. Wow. I wore makeup my whole. I, when my mama told me I could wear a lip gloss, and I was like, "What?" Did she tell me I could wear? I'm about to tell her myself. She might not tell me, but I was like in fifth grade, <laughs> and I was putting on lip gloss. And ever since then, I would take my, I would take makeup into school when I was in seventh grade, <laughs> and I would put it on my face, and I just loved a full face of makeup all uh-huh. the time. And it lovely. was like quarantine hit, and I was like, I'm not about to wear this makeup stuff anymore. <laughs> Nobody ever really thinks. People who know me now, they like, you wear makeup, and I'm like, yeah, I used to do full. Full-blown faces, yeah. But when I got my skin Uh looking the way I wanted it to look, you know, Uh I was like, screw the makeup. And it was because of that Luxana body product. I was like, I'm glowing. I don't even really need 
Yeah. To wear it for real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, your skin is Thank beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. But I do feel you, though. Like, I used to want to wear makeup just because I saw my mom wear makeup. Right. Like, I would be trying to kiss her on the lips so I can get her lipstick <laughs> before I left. Like, but she always kissed me, like, somewhere between the right. nose. Like, aim, woman. Aim. Right, right. I want the, I want the lip right. gloss. Right. Like, they're playing with me. So, good times. But that's what's up. So, how long have you been doing locks? Um, so I started when I went to college. I was okay. just, I did everything. My first year of college, I was broke. So I just did anything. And really, <laughs> <laughs> and really, honestly, uh, I really liked this boy. He uh, came to me and he was like, I want you to retwist my locks. He didn't even know I did locks. Okay. I really, and I did it with a fork. <laughs> I interlocked it with a fork. I was like, mm-hmm. okay, this is just going to have to work. Because we was just both broke college since we didn't even have a mm-hmm. dollar to go get a needle. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I did it with a fork. And then after that, he was just telling his people. And I was just doing it. I was doing that. Lashes, mm-hmm. everything. So, so I stopped when I had my son. I graduated mm-hmm. from college. I okay. tried the corporate the corporate world. Uh-huh. That didn't work out for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I did two years there. What? Two years? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That didn't. That wasn't for me. So then when quarantine hit, I was like... I need a way to make money again. And I just, I don't even remember. Someone just asked me to retwist their locks. They're like, do you do hair? I was like, yeah, sure. I'll do your hair. You know what I'm saying? My sister was encouraging me. The girl who started um, my son's lock, she was like, you can do this. You know yeah. how to do this. Why are you not just doing it? Right. And I, I just finally said, okay, I'm going to use my hands to make me some money. I and it that. just took off. Yeah. What about your hair? Did you do your hair? I did my hair. Yep. These okay. are, these are, uh, <laughs> look, I had to look real quick. Like, this is my hair. Yeah. <laughs> but these are uh, hand-twisted crochet braids. So I twisted oh. all of these myself, and then nice. I installed them okay. into the crochet braids. Um, yeah. You want to do my hair? Period. Yeah, I like, got you. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to need this. Like, yes. You know, I'm changing okay. my hair Good soon, new growth. So. <laughs> yeah. Good new growth. That's what I need. But, yes, that's what's up. Okay. So, with. With the, the singing, though, so yes. we know you have the, the literacy and arts program, and we know about the Luxana Body and Locks, which is cool. Now I want to get into the singing. Like, who who is Colleen as a singer? We know Colleen ah. Ivana, and we know Bonnie Peel. Yes. <laughs> um, you know what? I get a lot of inspiration from older music right like okay. i loved the really i love the judy garlands and i just say her name first because her name was her voice is just so beautiful it's uh-huh. like water to me uh-huh. so um i loved her voice the ella fitzgerald the mm-hmm. billy the billy holidays you know just the older artists but then yeah. i get a lot of inspiration also from like glam rock which is like prince yeah i love prince prince glam is like oh i yeah. love it yes it's like the flamboyancy yeah. and the the words of it, all the songs mean something. Yeah. I love the Beatles. The Beatles have like music where, <laughs> where you're just like listening to it. It's a whole story. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Rick Ross, <laughs> Rick Ross. Rick I pull Rizmo. a lot of my the literacy aspect uh-huh. of it and how he how he likes you know forms whole stories. Yeah, uh, that helps me a lot with writing and uh, Andre three thousand. Um, yeah, so it's pulled from pretty much everywhere. Okay, every aspect. I was raised off of basically. Jazz, mm-hmm. Anita Baker, 
gospel yeah. and Roberta Flack. We couldn't listen to nothing else. My mama was like, <laughs> it's a no. We could listen to the Gap Band, too. It was crazy. We couldn't listen to the new music that was, you know, like uh, Silk and Jodeci and stuff. We couldn't yeah. listen to that. But we could listen to Super Freak. I'll never forget it. <laughs> I'm like, my, like, this don't make no sense. We listen uh-huh. to Super Freak, but we can't listen to Jodeci. Right. I don't know. But, yeah, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of inspiration from there, though, just in, like, the sound. Mm-hmm. And I like the synthetic-y sounds mm-hmm. a little bit. But I also like, like, that classical right. um, jazz feel. So, mm-hmm. yeah. That's yeah, pulling it from everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> so what is your artist's name? Like your singing yes. name, should I say? Vonnie Pill. Okay. Everyone okay. just, Vonnie Pill is like what I use for like just all artistry, just mm-hmm. Vonnie Pill. I, okay. I think that's the only time someone will call me Vonnie Pill pretty much is for artistry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. For sure. Uh, where did that name come from? So Vonnie is a childhood name for mm-hmm. Ivana, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't remember who started calling me Vonnie. Maybe my mama Sheila was like, Vonnie, Vonnie. Mm-hmm. Um, but she started calling me Vani. I believe that's who it was. And then Pill was, I was performing one day, mm-hmm. and this man, I don't know, he just came out of like nowhere, <laughs> and he was like, you are like a black man's pill. So I said, great, <laughs> I'm going to stick that in last, <laughs> for my last name. <laughs> so Vani Pill, it just came, oh, it just worked. <laughs> a black man's pill. Which is like. hilarious because it's like, ah, I just healed my relationship with y'all. Really, <laughs> yeah. If I would have went on stage. As Colleen Ivana Jones, yeah, right. <laughs> it would have got a whole different um, <laughs> unhealed set. <laughs> <laughs> that is so real. <laughs> so tell me, like, how do you think your experiences with in Detroit has helped you grow as an artist? Oh wow! So, so this is interesting. That's an interesting question mm-hmm. because when I was in Livonia, when mm-hmm. I when I was going to school in Livonia. I was really not writing like that. Mm. I really didn't write. I really didn't care to write. I really, I was doing bad in school a lot, partially because I wasn't, (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't interested in anything. I didn't get Mm. myself together until I was probably like a senior and I was like, I want to go to school. Mm -hmm. So let me at least get into Wayne State, right? Right. Which isn't like a super hard school to get to. But (laughs) I was like, (laughs) I had to get myself together. I did go to my ACT and everything, but really I did not write there. I was so uninspired. Mm. When I moved to Detroit, Cesar Toriano, I saw him do poetry for, mm-hmm. uh, it was after Trayvon Martin was mm-hmm. uh, was killed, yes. So I saw him uh, do this piece, and he also did a piece about his son who mm-hmm. um, is autistic. And I was like, oh my goodness, I am just like on fire now. <laughs> like, no, nah, I just want to write, and I want to do this, and I want to do so that. Yeah, so I started going to Mo, uh, Motown Museum, MoCAD, mm-hmm. uh, DIA, mm-hmm. and those would be the places that I would be writing at. So really, that's that's all Detroit. Right. So it's like I just pulled it from there. I would go to the river all the time to Mm -hmm. write um, experiencing different neighborhoods. So when I went from Wayne State neighborhood. Right. Mm -hmm. Which. It's like another world almost. It it's weird. It's You're like, like a little enclave yeah, in the city. Yeah. I was like, okay, so this is weird. We got our own little police officers and everything. Like, mm-hmm. this is strange. But I got kicked out of the union. <laughs> 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 I got kicked out of the union. I had to find an apartment quick. So I went mm-hmm. to Palmer Park. Whole different world. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. this is an interesting experience. And so I was really inspired living there because I ain't have no money. Mm-hmm. I was living in the hood. I had the nicest neighbors ever. I never trusted anybody more. <laughs> I was like, dang, this is like such a duality, right. Right? right? So it's like people were telling me don't move over there. But I think I got the most inspiration mm-hmm. being mm-hmm. there because I was I was one of those people wh- who was also struggling just like yeah. that. And I was like, but I'm normal people. Right. You know what I'm saying? I'm normal people. I'm struggling. So why are we, you know, 
almost like ostracizing people mm. who live in these areas yeah. or whatever. So I'm like, if I live here and I feel like I'm a normal human being and yeah. I'm not a bad human being, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that inspired me a lot when it came to writing because mm-hmm. now I was able to write from a more universal, okay. like, you know, point of view mm-hmm. opposed to just my point of view which is which at one point was pretty classist if you really mm. want to elitist elitist mm-hmm, almost mm-hmm. you know you get you got you know i was always on the revolutionary side right, right. but it was always an elite i, I had an elitist mindset mm, until mm-hmm. i moved to palmer park and you know mm. what i'm saying i was like I had to be in, in that setting, okay yeah. humbling humbling <laughs> yeah very much so yes yeah i feel that so yeah i, I can't even yeah you're right you're right. Yeah, it's humbling. It very much so is. Like, I know <laughs> I didn't have dental insurance, and just even having to okay. go to UAD Dental School to try to get my teeth clean, and just yes, like you said, just life teaches you to be thankful for the things that you have. For you know? sure. Yeah, I had yeah. to get out of Livonia. Like, yeah. like uh, when I was in Romulus, it's mm-hmm. a little more country. So mm-hmm. it was like, we. it was that whole <laughs> aspect of gratefulness. You know what I'm saying? Like, but we left and we went to Livonia and it was very material. Everybody mm-hmm. had money. So it was like very material. My mama was middle class, mm-hmm. but we was really looked at like we was poor. Mm-hmm. Right. Because we couldn't, we didn't have like a house in Livonia. We had an apartment mm-hmm. then we moved to a condo, but she always made good money. Mm-hmm. I was never struggling, but my she also didn't have a jet in her backyard. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? My uh, my other friends in Livonia, they would have jets and mm. they're just rich. You know what I'm right, saying? I'm right. like, dang, this is crazy. But I but I kind of because of that, um, I know me and a lot of my friends from there, mm-hmm. which it was interesting because it was a sea hall and it was all black people, mm-hmm. only black people in that one hall, mm-hmm. probably out of like a thousand kids. It would probably be four black kids. You know what I'm saying? Wow. <laughs> like there was not many, but we all stuck together. But I yeah. realized that we all had a very materialistic mm. type mindset. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's not even me for real. Yeah. So when I moved to Detroit, I felt like I got to live like, you know, my true authentic self right. outside of Wayne State. I right. had to leave Wayne State. That's a strange that was a strange, uh, mm-hmm. like you said, a strange little neighborhood. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. That's real, though, because like you said, you you really don't know until you live. You know? For real, so, yeah. But I think that's funny that you brought up, like, the different neighborhoods and, and how, oh, they, yeah. how they interact and the people. So from your experiences living in the city, like, how would you categorize some of the groups of people? Oh, my goodness. You know? So... <laughs> So that's interesting. Uh I used to say I would never live back on the west side, right? Because I lived on the west side, (laughs) and I really didn't understand it. I was like, I don't understand it. Like, I I didn't understand the streets. I didn't understand nothing for real because I I was always downtown or um, Wayne State area. So I never really experienced the west side like that. But I can say I recently moved to southwest, and Mm. I think that – this is my favorite place to be. Really? Honestly, yeah, okay. it's it's interesting because it's so spotty, mm-hmm. and I tell people all the time, like I love my neighborhood, but don't park your uh, don't park your motorcycle on the street. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm I love my neighborhood, but you know what I'm saying, just be safe right. at the same time. But like my block is full of families. Mm-hmm. There's roosters. They got roosters in the backyard. <laughs> it's it's really interesting. Um, so funny. I think Southwest is my favorite. Okay. When I lived on the East Side. I was on A and Van Dyke, but I was mm-hmm. on the other side. Okay. So I was in Warren. Mm. That was a no. Uh, it was like, it was, it's so strange. It was strange living over there because we couldn't have the, um, 
we didn't have the Detroit police because it's mm-hmm. out of their district, out of their bounds, right. right? And then we couldn't. We the Warren police didn't care about us because we were on Eight Mile and Van Dyke. You know what wow. I'm saying? Who cares? It's yeah. just nothing but black people and meth heads. Like oh, so, we man. was never. I could call the police out there, and they wouldn't get there for. 20 30 minutes it made me and my neighbors closer you yeah, know sure. yeah because when something was going on exactly <laughs> when something was going on i would just be like you know you okay you know <laughs> and they was the same way but it was still like we don't have the police to support yeah. us like that out here mm. um when that that was an interesting experience mm. and then i stayed um where was that i stayed not Palmer Park. After Palmer Park, I moved with a boyfriend. Mm. I moved with a boyfriend. I was on the west side. Mm-hmm. And I liked that area, too. It was, I want to say it was pure. It was somewhere off the lodge. So if okay. you get off Meyer somewhere, mm-hmm. somewhere off there. I liked it. It, was, it just seemed more, it was very family friendly. <laughs> I, I still didn't understand any of it. And yeah. I moved back to the east side after that. But, you know, I, I enjoy every, every area that I've been in. Okay. But Southwest has been the most enjoyable my son loves it okay yeah, okay. yeah. i enjoy it <laughs> southwest is different like my family is is out there in southwest yeah and, um, just like even though you got a little hood areas and, and yeah. activities <laughs> everybody still know everybody and they speak like oh for sure i don't know how many times i've been on the porch of my grandma and she's just waving like grandma you know what that is like nope no nope. <laughs> you know but they yeah say what's up like it's that kind i looked at the like cars out there Mm -hmm. my street you can i can go on my porch and at at, you know in the summertime they just got the motorcycles going back and forth (laughs) forth. i'm like oh i like this this is enjoyable all these people on motorcycles so yeah Yeah, that's for sure (laughs) but it it, it's definitely interesting because you get a different culture of people in every little set yes my only complaint is coney island is not popping in Southwest? In Southwest, I do not like the Coney Islands. Uh-huh. I still be having to go to the east side and get me some good Coney Island because <laughs> it's just not it's not working on in mm-hmm. Southwest. Yeah, <laughs> you can't get to 94 out okay. there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's fair. I mean, yeah. and that Coney Island, you never realize how much you enjoy Coney until you somewhere okay. you can't get it. Like, yeah, I was yeah. like, I tried and I tried a bunch of different items. I was like, maybe they're just not good with the chicken. <laughs> let me try the chili cheese fries. Okay, maybe let me get a Coney dog. I was like, when they didn't make the Coney dog right, I was done. Yeah, I was like, I ain't going I to Coney Islands. <laughs> right, like, I'm done with this. No thanks. Yeah, I feel that. But I, yeah. I don't know. It's just so interesting to me, though, just the dynamics in the city, you know? Because, yeah. like, with being... Like, it's a whole nother world, even with the arts, you know? For like, sure. Because I would have never known had I not known people who who do rap or who do, like, poetry or yeah. anything of that nature. Because I'm just like, man, like, I didn't even know this was happening. Like, yeah. Ciphers and stuff. I'm like, Isn't what? Isn't great? Yeah, it is. It's but like a whole hidden gem. It is. <laughs> and that's the thing about Detroit that's so interesting to me is that, like, depending on who you're around, like that's how you were exposed to different things like For sure you know cities like new york you can walk down the street and just walk into stuff but in detroit it's like it depends on who you know. Oh, for sure. It's, yeah. It's just like, I feel like everything, it is like just like hidden gems yeah. for sure. When I had first came and kind of like got acclimated to mm-hmm. the Detroit artistry scene or whatever, I was in high school still and I was going to Red Cup sessions and I okay. loved those. Those was like all rapping and uh-huh. it was, it was, ooh, they were so much fun. It was Bob's Classic Kicks. They had little uh-huh. ciphers and all of that stuff there. So I was doing that, kind of got out of that and mm-hmm. then 
just that uninspired feel. I was in the wrong yourself. <laughs> <laughs> then I discovered Detroit poetry because of Cesar Toriano. Mm-hmm. Discovered it. Forgot. I did not forget about it, or I was just real busy. I was trying to graduate. I had mm-hmm. a baby. All of this stuff just was happening that wasn't supposed to happen. So, <laughs> so <laughs> like, right. So well, I kind of right. exactly. So I kind of like just. Uh, I I guess I forgot about it a little bit, or mm-hmm. didn't have time to get involved in it. My sister came to me with an event in two thousand. 18 or 19 I forget which one mm-hmm. she came to me with the event she goes I went to the single mingles event and it's at this place called 90s knowledge cafe and uh. I was like oh what is that like I don't know uh-huh. I don't know anything about it we went there on a Thursday to mm-hmm. pass out flyers and I just like fell in love with the the nice. whole art scene and um there was cafe melanin that I mm-hmm. fell in love again with the art scene it was just <laughs> happening over and over again and then finally I was like forget it I'm just gonna I'm gonna perform uh-huh. and um I got back into performing because I'm not really uh, I don't really like performing I like mm-hmm. making the music. I like making the poems, and I mm-hmm. like, but bind it up in a book, put it in a CD. I really don't like performing like that. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, because I'm about to put you in front now. Okay. <laughs> period. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you don't have to sing or anything, yes. but I, I just want to know. I guess. Well, I'm putting you in front. I don't care. Whatever. <laughs> so, can you think of a Detroit haiku? Oh, Detroit haiku. So it's five seven five yep. seven five. Yep. Okay. Off rip? Off rip. Where you Love. at, Bonnie? Where you at? <laughs> uh. <laughs> okay, let's see. Yep. Okay, Detroit is so lit. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Look. Oh, my goodness. This is all. Detroit is so lit. Mm-hmm. Peep the art scene too. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Peep the art scene. It's cool. Detroit is so lit. Peep the art scene. It's cool. Way better than school. Hey. <laughs> there we go. Way yeah. better than school. Forget it. <laughs> oh my goodness. Counting. Oh, okay. There that we go. Funny. That's so funny. You know what's so funny about that though? I need those type of I need those type of reminders because part of being a functional artist, right? Mm-hmm. Is like writing on a regular, which yeah. I don't do. I'm learning mm-hmm. to do it, right? Yep. But there are times where like I won't write for like seven months and i and the first people i tell who i, I haven't wrote to mm-hmm. i always tell Cesar toriano <laughs> every <laughs> single time i tell him i'll be doing this here like i'm gonna be honest i ain't wrote in like four months and he's always he's like you want to hear a poem you want to be inspired you know what i'm saying so i it's it's stuff like that that i need where people yeah. are like though one single rose is the same thing she was like mm-hmm. i want you to write a haiku i was like oh all right, she's Bo Beasy. He's good with throwing people out there and making sure yeah. that they uh they write. Yeah, Because yeah. <laughs> I forget, I forget all the time. I mean, but you do that. You know how many people don't know what a haiku is? That's true. That's real. Yeah, you that's know? true. <laughs> I'm like you're like oh five seven five. Okay, uh, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> but that is what's yeah. up. So, you know, usually we do like. A slot of time mm-hmm. and this has just been such a joyous yes. time and learning so much and I really like the fact that you have the lifted literacy and arts Luxana body and locks and just Bonnie Peel in general with with the music scene and the open mic scene and just doing you like you are just such an amazing woman Thank and I'm you. so glad that 
you know, God saw it fit for us to meet because yes. I, I enjoy everything that you have brought into my life and to the committee as well as what you're doing. And yes, I just think it's versa. so important. To, mm. yeah, thank you. I appreciate <laughs> that. You know, I, I thank you for being on here. But I do have just a few questions to ask okay. you, which is like a staple of Detroit. It's different. <laughs> okay. So first off, what was your very first car? Uh, my very first car was a, oh, do I? Okay. No, that was my mama's car. I ended up just <laughs> taking that low key. It was a red Dodge Neon. I had that for three months. Oh. <laughs> I don't know what I did to it. Honestly, I, the transmission <laughs> blew. I was driving and it just stopped. I'm like, oh, what did I do to this car? Right. I abused it bad. That's real. So what play, where did you go? <laughs> where did you go in your, your red Everywhere, Neon? Everywhere. Because I had just mm-hmm. learned how to drive. I was in college. I was. Yep. I waited till I was 19 to drive. Mm-hmm. And at first I was driving my mama's car. Mm-hmm. She wasn't really that comfortable with that, right? <laughs> And I was like, I want a car. So I got this Dodge Neon. I drove it through snow. And we all know they're real low. I drove it through snow. I still have an issue with tires. I do not know how to not hit (laughs) potholes and curbs. I'm going to be honest. I am like that typical woman driver Uh that everybody be talking about. Mm -hmm. That is me. She is me. (laughs) I am her. I am her. Right. (laughs) That's real. Question two. If you were a DJ at the end of the fireworks on Wilbert and Jefferson, what song would you play? Oh, what song would I play? I would play Say My Name by DMX. Interesting. Yes. Why is that? Tell me a little bit. I love DMX is. Now, we could listen to DMX when we was younger. My Mm -hmm. daddy, he would be, when he would be in one of his modes and whatever, (laughs) he would be singing a party up in here. And I used to be like, oh, I love that song. Like, I would just be vibing with it. And my, like, my mama never reminded me Uh listening to to DMX like that. I don't know why. I think it's just because of. His spirit, you know what I'm saying? His spirit. Uh, Yeah, the energy of it all. It's just invigorating. Even Mm -hmm. my son, he loves saying my name. We replaced the (laughs) DMX. And, like, you know how that's his cadence (laughs) the whole time? We replaced it with CVC words. So I'll be like, (laughs) (laughs) C-A-T-D-O-G. So we, that's that's my song. I think you might be on to something. You might have to do some ABC remixes for For real, yes. My son loves it. Loves it. that's really... That's really cool. <laughs> Just think about it. Like, You're right. You might be going somewhere, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I would definitely I don't, love it. Right? Like anybody listening, do not steal her idea. Period. It officially been <laughs> recorded. Okay. It won't be no kids, Bob. It will be the, the ABC okay. hip hop. Okay? ABC is a hip hop. I yes. love it. Period. <laughs> like, yes. We're doing that. <laughs> um, okay. Question three. If you could rename Woodward after one Detroiter, who would it be and why? Oh. Oh, Aretha Franklin. Mm, yeah, okay. I love her. I love her energy. Mm-hmm. I love her. I don't give a F-ness. Mm-hmm. I love her just everything mm-hmm. everything mm-hmm. about her she to me she is the attitude right of detroit <laughs> she is the spirit she because she's not even like a mean person you know what yeah. i'm saying but she is a very tell it like it is person mm-hmm. and i remember i used to watch her and just watch how much she did not care yeah and i watched her interview with wendy williams when she <laughs> wendy williams <laughs> and i was like she just really don't care she just really like yeah. i am who i am this is me i'm great you know what I'm saying? I think that is like that's the spirit of Detroit. We is who we is. We yeah. great. And we great at it. Period. Right. We are. Who we, yeah, I love yeah. that. That is so cool. But yeah. So, and before I conclude, my last thing is, what makes you so different? 
Oh, what makes me so different? Yes. What do you um, think? Accountability. <laughs> accountability. I'm huge on accountability. Mm-hmm. I think that even in my, my poems and in, you know, my mm-hmm. work, um, there's always a message of accountability. I, yes. I do not like being victim. And so I learned that to not be victim, I have to be super accountable for every decision I make. Mm-hmm. And then can't nobody make me no victim. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> That's what's up. Well, thank yep. you. Thank you. Any final words before we conclude, Miss Colleen? Uh, thank you for having me, for <laughs> sure. And y'all look out for the next Juneteenth hey. Jubilee next year. It's hey. going to be lit. I'm so yes. excited. I'm excited, too. <laughs> yes. like, we got so much to do in store. Yes, 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 yes. yes, yes. <laughs> and everything you do, for real, please keep me informed. Yes. And everybody, please follow Colleen Ivana Jones, Ivana yes. Peel, Lifted Literacy and Arts, Luxana Body and Locks, and I'm trying to get my free sample. But <laughs> Period. <laughs> so, no, I save it for the braids. Like, I just, you know, I'll pay for my braids and see what, what discounts I can come okay. from. <laughs> yes, but thank you, Colleen, and yes. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. Detroit is different. Signing off. <laughs> <laughs> Black revolutionaries, distillery owners, Italian fashion retailers, and Motown Grammy winners all share their best stories never before told in any other media outlets on Detroit is Different. Visit DetroitIsDifferent.com or download the Detroit is Different app on Apple's App Store or Google's Play Store.